And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website go there. Really coming in under the wire with this one. I don't know if you can hear this, but I do have my white noise machine on in the background because I don't know if I'm home alone. Because uh, <laughs> I am insane. And, uh, and not in a membrane. I am insane. And I, and I need 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 my own space so that i can do this stupid stuff that no one listens to i'm gonna go ahead and check the uh microphone back here it's on cardioid but the waveforms aren't as big and bouncy as i as i as they usually are let's see if i just turn it up here oh yeah baby you can hear everything can't you you can hear everything oh my gosh welcome back to the constitutional podcast it's been a good minute on doing whatever this is, but now here we are. We're just finishing up. Just uploaded news time very, very late. So Wednesday, news time usually goes up on a Monday, and uh, just didn't get a chance to do that before I needed to. And here we are. So here we are. But it's a good episode. It's about Patreon. Uh, Patreon, how it is. I guess I, get, I hit my lip on a mic and I got a little bit scared. Look. <laughs> Uh, it's about Patreon and, uh, you know, not the, not the, well, basically the rise of it and how it started. It's not really a history. It's just a, it was just Patreon and, and how these people on here like Chapo Trap House and Easy Allies and Doughboys and all these other patrons are able to, Patreon creators, excuse me, are able to create these empires that they have with, uh, with this. Uh, Chapo Trap House is the number one Patreon per month. So Patreon, what it is, is you, you donate money to the creators that you like and only they get the money. Uh, but I mean, they have to give 12% up to 12% to uh, Patreon. And then of course there's taxes and stuff, but every month you can give one, five, three, 12, 15, 25, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whoever you want. Uh, and there's a lot of famous people. There's just a lot of internet people. There's a lot of people like, like me just trying to make a living. And they found a groove with these audiences and the audiences want to give them money. So here we are. Uh, Chapo Trap House is a, a far left leaning podcast, uh, democratic meaning. It's a democratic podcast. And uh, I mentioned that because it's a political podcast, but I guess with people that are my age and uh, they curse and stuff and they're cool, I guess. They curse and stuff and they're cool. And that uh, per month, they make $131,000 per month. Uh, there's like six of them. It's all white people. And maybe like two women too. <laughs> and they make that much money per month and people just give it, give the money to them. And then they get, and then of course, if you, if you give money, you get a reward. So, uh, some people, they shout out your names in videos. Uh, they they call you producers, you know, depending on how much money you give. They give you extra episodes of their podcast, so the Doughboys do. They give you uh, special behind-the-scenes videos, all this different stuff, which is really cool. I think it's neat. I think Patreon's great. Uh, I will not give money to people anymore, uh, and nor do I want people to give money to me. I, I, I would like to get paid for my services, but I just don't. I used to be a Patreon, a Patreon subscriber for a lot of things, and... I just stopped doing it because, well, for one, I stopped following those things. And then for two, uh, I saw them in a lot of communities, especially like Doughboys and, and the flagrant ones. 
uh, in a lot of communities, people just take ownership of these of the the of the creators of the people that are just that are doing these shows. You know, essentially, a lot of them, you know, were free ahead of time, but a lot of people just they think that it is theirs and that they can they can take ownership of it, and that's uh, that kind of toxic fandom just kind of wears me out. So. I just decide not to give money because, yeah, because eventually, like I said, I used to be a patron for a couple of things and then I just fall out of love with those things. And, um, and I've only noticed this when I buy, when I buy, uh, like a shirt from a company that I like from a, from an online thing that I like. And then in like two months time, I go, well, crap, I don't like these. I don't like these people anymore. They're boring. They're unfunny, (laughs) you know? They all, uh, you know, you, you take a step back in third person view. I think I've talked about that before. You know, the same thing happened with me to a bunch of internet things. Uh, Rooster Teeth happened to me with uh, uh, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. You know, you just, I, I used to be a huge fan. And then you step back and you look at the people who are fans and you go, great for them, good for them. I don't think I, not that I don't fit in, but I just don't think that I like it anymore. So here we go. Moving on. Uh, very first, That's Patreon. <laughs> so that's the episode of News Time that has yet to be out. It's uploaded right now as we speak. I just uploaded it, and it is probably done processing. At the, yep, it is. This is a very fast upload. Uh, I just can't wait to move my, into my own apartment. I'm out of Google Fiber. I'm going to be able to upload and download things in an instant. It's going to be so great. Oh, it's going to be so great. I don't care if I <laughs> if I don't have furniture. <laughs> You know, except for the, like this, and then like the bed and that the, the desk chair I have over there, and the and my desk. I don't care if I don't have spare furniture. I just want my own place so I can pay for Google Fiber, so I can be alone and be naked <laughs> all the time. All right, let's get on with the first story. Don't have a lot. I just uploaded the speaking of uploading things yesterday. I just uploaded the last week's episode of the Constitutionals uh, again. Couldn't do it. Because uh, of different uh, things, you know, just not being alone and and uh, like during a week, you know, <laughs> and uh, just not having a chance to record it. So finally got a chance to record it uh, before work yesterday morning, uploaded it yesterday evening. <laughs> All right. The first story comes from Vox, written by Alexia Fernandez Campbell. BuzzFeed journalists just walked off the job in four cities. Here's why. I want to give a little bit of uh, advice to her. This is Miss Campbell. Just say BuzzFeed journalists walked off the job in four cities. Easy enough. I don't need just walked off. That seems like it's it's uh, coming from Gizmodo. It's coming from a place of un, with no professionalism, unprofessionalism. <laughs> no offense to Gizmodo, but huge offense to Gizmodo. <laughs> uh, also, a real quick tangent before I get started on this. I was watching at work uh, videos from a guy on YouTube named Tutvid, T-U-T-V-I-D. He's been on there for a long time doing, you know, showing Photoshop and Premiere and uh, After Effects tricks. And it's amazing. He's good. He's really, really good. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, Probably even on YouTube. I really really do like him, Um, even though I haven't seen a lot of his videos. But I've been following him for uh, several months now, about six, seven months. And uh, I was watching a video yesterday where he talked about multi-video editing, editing multiple videos 
that you know have different camera angles and stuff and i fit and he showed me a multi um, and this video is two years old so i should have been watching this a long time ago especially doing this show having two cameras up and everything uh but he showed me an easier way to do the constitutionals podcast and i am forever grateful but i that means i do actually have to watch this show which i don't or listen to it <laughs> But it's going to be great. I can't wait to switch between cameras easily instead of doing the cutting like I usually do. It's great. Anyway, uh, BuzzFeed journalists walked off their job, as we talked about in the article, in the headline. I'm going to take a break soon, and I haven't got to the first story. BuzzFeed journalists walked off of the uh, the job uh, four months since they decided that they wanted to do a labor union. Uh, they just, I guess there was just a fed up fed upness because they're because a the company hasn't recognized them but b they're they're led by you know people that are in the union that work with them and so they just got up and left dozens of frustrated employees walked off the job monday afternoon to protest the company is delayed recognizing buzzfeed news union journalists in new york san francisco washington dc and los angeles stopped working at 2 p.m to get the company's attention and then there's they embed oh, jesus i'm just tapped on the windows button they embed some type of photo twitter from this guy's twitter i don't know who this guy is but <laughs> managers at the popular news website which employs more than 200 journalists in the u.s have been fighting with union representatives for months about how many employees can join the bargaining unit according to statement buzzfeed news union share with vox the union which is represented by the news guild of new york says management has been trying to exclude workers they claim are managers or supervisors even though no employees uh, report to them. Hmm. BuzzFeed says it's not true. So it's a bunch of uh, he said, she said, which is apparently I was watching an episode of for work, uh, Law and Order, and uh, apparently there's a there's a thing called he said, she said, where essentially uh, if someone says one thing, another person says like an opposing thing, you know, like like uh, he took my ice cream and he goes, or no, no, like like I saw him take the ice cream, and then he's like, uh, I actually saw her take the ice cream then they can't they can't judge on it i think i think that's what how it happens but also that was an episode of law and order <laughs> where in new york apparently <laughs> rape and murder happen every single i don't know why i'm laughing where they happens it happens every single day it might it might who knows i don't want to talk about it it's not it's not the uh the past few months have been quote-unquote tense according to the union statement and employees are getting frustrated uh, journalists at more than 30 digital news sites have unionized, unionized in the past two years to secure higher pay, benefits, and severance in a volatile industry that counted nearly 12,000 layoffs last year. And that also includes BuzzFeed itself, which had to lay off a lot of people. New York Times, uh, I'm not sure about Washington Post. Um, who were the high-profile ones? I know it was BuzzFeed and New York Times, LA Times most assuredly. I think they're... <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if the LA Times uh, folded within the next eight to ten years. I would not be surprised, uh, especially since you have to pay to read everything that they <laughs> that they write. I like the LA Times. This is not a this is not a knock against them, but it is. Uh, the news feed, the news industry is organizing faster than ever. Uh, there's a bunch of unions, so. You want to unionize. Workers want to unionize in a place where they're not recognized, mostly because, uh, like I, like I, like we were talking about, we just you want the benefits, you want all this stuff, you want to be, you want to have assuredness that you have a job position. It's job security essentially. Um, I know I worked at when I worked at UPS, 
Uh, I was leaving one morning. <laughs> this is so interesting. I was leaving one morning uh, after like doing an overnight job work and in the factory. And I was walking out, and when we're, we're everybody, everybody was walking out, it's a lot like the Flintstones. It truly is. When you see Fred and Barney and the rest of the guys at the the quarry, you know, pull on a bird, and the bird goes squawk, and steam comes out of the bird's mouth, and then they all like get they all walk out and leave at the same time. That's exactly what working in a factory is like. And so we were walking out one morning. It's like nine a.m. And uh, uh, three guys from the labor union were there, and they were just handing out papers and flyers and stuff. And uh, I, I asked somebody who was walking with me, I was like, I said, what's going on? I was like, well, you, you don't want to talk to them. And then I thought, but wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be pertinent for me to talk to them? Apparently not. Uh, so you don't want to do that. Uh, but then, but you know, but then you hear about, uh, you, you, you dive deeper into the unions, you hear about this people in Buzzfeed and, and, uh, journalists needing unions. And then you hear about, uh, the uh, voice acting voice actors needing their own union. They need SAG to recognize them. Uh, you hear about just all these different types and like just, it is essentially job security and that's what you want. And you actually have to side with them versus some, some guy who works a $9 an hour job. Going, you don't want to be in a party union. It's job security. Uh, since then, both sides have been meeting and arguing about how the big, how big the unit will be. Meanwhile, employees are fed up, and they're willing to disrupt. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. Uh, you know, hopefully they get these journalists get unions. You know, as much as I hate to say it, BuzzFeed is a is a journalistic company. Ugh, Jesus. It is a journalistic company, <laughs> and they employ journalists. A lot of people who, who, uh, whom, who, uh, a lot of whom, they employ journalists, a lot of whom, that is this next part of the sentence, <laughs> are really good writers, so, yeah. And I've said it before, i say it again. The past couple of weeks, I was looking at Tasty videos, and then I didn't know Tasty was owned by <laughs> BuzzFeed, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I fell into the BuzzFeed trap. Listen, I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back with three stories that I should have gotten to. (laughs) Welcome back. It's the Constitutionals podcast. You know, I always forget to start this gosh darn clock. I don't know if you can see on the camera. I don't know if I switched to it on the camera. (laughs) I always forget to start this clock. Uh, But now it's a good thing I remembered it because here we are doing the stuff. I'm really behind on my television. Uh, I just... I end up, what happens is I end up, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happens <laughs> in the past three weeks or in the past two weeks, excuse me, in the past two weeks, I have, I have, I've needed something just to put on in the background and I go, and then one day, one day, I think a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I, I went, you know, I'm just going to watch family guy and I just put on a random episode of family guy. Mind you, I have not watched this show it was in high school when I stopped watching. So for maybe seven years, eight years, eight or nine years, I have stopped. I just stopped watching the show. So now I have nine seasons of the show <laughs> just in the back. And so what I've been doing is uh, every morning I get home from the gym, I get, uh, you know, it's, uh, at, at night when I'm like editing an, an episode of this show or news time, I just throw an episode of Family Guy. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to do. It is truly like if I can't decide, uh, like if I oh I need to pay attention to Legion, I need to pay attention to Big Little Lies. 
Uh, but Family Guy is truly just a cartoon. I just throw it on the background, and then uh, then I ended up uh, that like that was that for like two days, and then I just and then I started watching it. I was like, oh, it's not it's not that bad. Truly is it truly is not that bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes I don't like. Uh, you know, rape jokes, uh, d- uh, uh, jokes about the uh, the gay community, and it's just not funny. If you're gonna make jokes about any community, it's just gotta be funny. And then we'll we'll let you have a pass. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> all right, this next story from Variety, written by Gavin Bridge. I don't know what that is. Oh, there's spit on this. <laughs> Ugh. My mouth touched the microphone. There's spit. Vice Media Digital Makeover Triggers Traffic Slide. Uh, then the last episode I talk of this show that was recorded nigh upon 36 hours ago for no, no. Cause it was like seven in the morning. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, how many hours ago was that? 36. And then now it's five sixteen. So 38 hours ago, <laughs> who cares? I talked about just vice and also something racist that happened to me at uh SunTrust park. Uh, Atlanta's uh, baseball stadium uh, in Cobb County with all the racist white people who don't want Marta to come up there to them. That's why they brought the Braves up there. Anyway, (laughs) true story. Um, I talked just about Vice and how their partnership with HBO is kaput. Uh, One of the reasons... Why Vice is I don't want I don't want to say failing, but Vice is not doing as well as it used to be doing. Uh, maybe it's lost its punk edge. Maybe it's maybe it's becoming you know part of the corporate the corporate world, which is kind of already did because it it was bought by uh, it was partnership with HBO, which is you know now owned by AT and T, which was Warner Brothers, whatever, uh, and it and it was bought by Disney. So I mean, it had all these it had all these partnerships, and for it to be this punk thing in a world where they wanted, where they began as a punk thing, and now they're in a corporate world, uh, it's very strange for them. But anyway, they 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 canceled all their verticals and they moved everything to Vice proper. Uh, with I think with the exception of Broadly, I'm not entirely sure. Let's look let's look at Vice.com. I was actually on Vice.com earlier this week. Uh, it was during work hours. <laughs> Yeah, so I have they have Vice, Vice News, Vice Land, ID, and Broadly, but everything else is under the Vice proper website. So you can't get you can't go to to noisy dot com anymore. I don't believe they just have music. Yeah, but it's still referred to as noisy. See, still referred to as noisy. But once all those verticals disappeared, this is going to be very interesting because <laughs> Vice's traffic dropped by forty nine percent in April. But the traffic for Vice, and this is from the article, Vice.com itself tumbled 18% to 33.4 million unique visitors in the U.S. That number rebounded last month to 35.6 million, but remains 13% lower than the Vice.com stat for March. Very important. A Vice spokesperson, spokeswoman, Attributed a decline to a reduction in the amount of content being produced for Vice.com in April, while the staff focused on revamping the site as part to remove the uh, as part of the removal of, of the verticals. 
Uh, here's her quote. The drop-off stemmed from, quote, editorial being directed to build a platform for the new Vice.com with output and flux, which led to numbers falling. Uh, who added? The woman said, spokeswoman said, uh, who added that the increase in May, quote, shows the trajectory we are confident will continue now that the new platform is launched. Vice is uh, moving. This is not anything new. They're moving to video, which is what a lot of a lot of uh, journalism-based things are doing. New York Times' output of video is increasing. The Atlantic, uh, New York Post, Washington Post, everybody's video is being increased because that's the best way. A lot of people don't read anymore, and that's the easiest way to reach somebody. If you post something on Instagram, it's got to have a video or an interesting picture. There you go. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Uh, it's very interesting to see Vice fall. I'm looking at a, a neat little graph here, and it is a drastic fall. <laughs> it used to be like they had partner traffic up here, and it fell. This is a sharp decrease from 2017. This is a long article, and truly, I don't want to keep going over it. <laughs> but just know uh, Vice is. If this keeps going lower, Vice is going to have to make more cuts. I think they fired a couple of people, and they definitely did fire some sexual harassers. Some sexual harassers up in there. They're trying to make it less of a boys club. They're trying to be a little bit more open, but uh, there was a... I think I talked about this before. A documentary I saw about Vice, or something I read about. It was a feature I read about Vice where... Eh, I think I watched a documentary too, where they said uh, not only was it a boys club, but it was just... it was It's a place where you're forced to make deadlines that just couldn't happen. That's why Dacis and Miro left. Uh, I wish, what I wish you the best, Vice. I said it in the last episode. Just tone down the talk about drugs and sex and, and just be a little bit more professional about it, and I swear everything will get better. This next one comes from Vanity Fair. It's about Booksmart and Late Night. And uh, and what happens after Booksmart failed after it released uh, at the box office? Critically, it was a darling. And uh, and late nights coming out this weekend, so we're going to see what happens with that. This is written by Nicole Sperling, titled Booksmart, Late Night, and the Fate of the Female Fronted Comedy. I really love this title of the article. Uh, Booksmart is a movie uh, starring Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dyer. Dever, excuse me. I <laughs> just really misread her name. And it came, it's directed by Olivia Wilde, and it came out last week. And essentially what the article boils down to is uh, distribution. Distribution matters, especially with an indie, especially with an indie comedy, especially with an indie comedy led by women. So what happened was this movie was released to 1,500 theaters, I think. I think it was 1,500. I read this earlier today, so. It was, it was released. It, it was essentially what it was. It was given a wide release. Uh, and it didn't do too hot. This is from Megan Ellison. I think her name is Megan Ellison. Megan Ellison, yeah. Uh, Annapurna produced this movie, uh, and it opened to, yeah, yeah, that's what, no, no, that's late night. Okay, I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> I was really wrong. Uh, but it opened wide, and, but uh, one of the issues is it wasn't the best advertised film, the most highly advertised film. Uh, Whereas for a lot of these indie comedies, 
uh, Late Night in particular, which is coming out this week in uh, New York. Oh, no, no. It started in New York and Los Angeles, but now it's going to be slowly rolling out to 1,500 total theaters, other theaters. Uh, you, They have to learn that it's a movie in, in such a way that, you know, that premiered at South by Southwest that was lauded by critics there. It's not going to be able to do well um, wide like that. And then uh, further down in the article, one person, uh, not Matt Newman for Amazon, it's somebody else. One theory was said that women truly, let me finish my other thing though. Uh, so, so if, so the, the, the basis is the idea is if the movie had was given, you know, just a couple of hundred theaters and then slowly rolled out to the nation, it would have done better. Uh, they compare it to Lady Bird, which is true. You know, you have Saoirse Ronan, Ronan, Timothy Chalamet and a bunch of other people and Lady Bird, uh, who may do a fantastic job. Uh, but you can't just drop that movie on everything on everybody at once. Cause it's not going to do well. Um, so one theory is that women, <laughs> this is very stupid. This is not my theory, but this is from the article. One theory, and it's not from the person who wrote this, but it's from. Uh, she doesn't. She doesn't uh, advertise who it is. But one theory is that is why Book Smart didn't do well. Is that uh, women watch movies on streaming? They're more inclined to watch movies on streaming, which I think is false. Uh, which I know is false. <laughs> They're saying. Uh, let's see. Booksmart dropped from 52%. It's opening weekend. But they're saying because Booksmart was released the same weekend as the Netflix movie starring Ali Wong and Randall Park, Always Be My Maybe, was that it was failed. Uh, which is stupid. I mean, if someone if someone's already paid for Netflix, Netflix has been paid for, you know, but when you go to this movie, you're gonna you're actively seeking that out. Uh, streaming, you're gonna watch that regardless. I'm going to watch uh, what's a streaming show? Um, Dead to Me. I just finished that. I'm going to watch Dead to Me, no matter what, because it's right there on my TV. I can get it. I can access it. But Booksmart, I have to wait for it to come on uh, Blu-ray. I have to wait for it to come on digital services like Vudu or iTunes or Google Play or Amazon. Uh, Amazon, because <laughs> it coming on Amazon, because Amazon produced it, I believe. Uh, or no, no, they did late night. Boy, am I stupid. Um, I have, or I can go to the movie theater right now to see it. Uh, none of streaming does not matter. Take streaming out of the equation because that is not, if someone wants to see a movie, if someone wants to see Avengers Endgame, they're going to go see it. They're going to go to the movie theater and see it. They're not going to wait for it to come on Blu-ray. <laughs> That's insane. Or it's for streaming. They're not going to wait for it to, it, that'll be, it'll be on streaming in, in eight months. They're not going to wait for that. They want to see that movie now. Uh, they want to see the new Star Wars. They want to see all this new stuff. They don't, you, you don't, you can't compare streaming to the movie theater experience. And I'm not talking about the experience as in, you know, get a pop, some popcorn and you sit there and you, you watch this movie and you, you're laughing with your friends. Uh, the, the, the experience is seeing a movie of that caliber right there. Uh, speaking of the theater experiences, I think his name is Andrew Newman or Michael Newman. Jesus. Oh, my God, Chad. Oh, my God, Chad. Oh, my God. Matt Newman. I was right. Uh, <laughs> he's talking about, that was my eyeball, if anybody was wondering. I was, I was just rubbing around my contact. He's talking about how late night people want 
the theatrical experience. They want to see Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling and the rest of the, the seven other white guys in this movie. <laughs> they want to see them. They want to see that. They don't want to wait for streaming for that. Nathan Kane, producer of Always Be On Maybe, uh, says that the hypothesis about streaming versus going to the theater for these female-led comedies is, uh, is stupid. And that women spending more time watching stream movies is stupid, which it is. It's dumb. It doesn't make sense. Uh, so yeah, I mean, no, we only we know the reason why Booksmart didn't do well is because it was it was thrown into the deep end. You throw me into the deep end of the pool, I will die. But if I can start in the three feet and then work my my way up to five, I'll be good. <laughs> Last story. This comes from Variety again, my good friend Michael Schneider. Samantha B isn't thrilled to be the last woman standing in late night. This is a very great piece I was written. Uh, talking about how uh, Busy Night with Busy Phillips was canceled. Sarah Silverman, I Love You, America was canceled. Michelle Wolf's The Break was canceled. And Robin Thede's The Rundown was canceled. And Chelsea Handler's Netflix show, Chelsea, was canceled. I think her deal is ended. <laughs> She was supposed to do so much after that the cancellation, but whatever. Um, Samantha B talks to this person about how difficult it is, how it sucks to be the last female in late night, and she truly is, and uh, and how it's she kind of has a target on her back at this point. Um, but I don't, you know, if TBS is smart, they won't do anything. They'll just say, "Hey, you know what? We love you, Samantha." So, in a series of four consideration videos for the Emmy campaign, B, quote, takes a tongue-in-cheek approach to figuring out how to make Emmy voters comfortable with voting for her. Uh, you know, she talks about uh, voting for women president. <laughs> how it's tough, you know, that stuff. Uh, but we do have another female, you know, speaking of late night, the movie with Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson as the uh, late night host. Uh, Lily Singh is, is going to be coming in and uh, doing late night, but we don't know how she's going to be doing at the, cause you know, compared to the rest of this late night, uh, landscape, which has, you know, seven white guys and then, uh, Trevor Noah <laughs> and then Conan, oh, not Conan, <laughs> Samantha B. It's, uh, it's a, it's a little, it's a little disheartening for anybody out there. And then there are also so many ways to get your late night fix, you know, uh, with these YouTube channels, uh, bonus clips online. Oh, now Daisy Samiro are there, so that's good. I forgot. I completely forgot about them. And Hassan Minaj. Okay, there we go. Hassan Minaj. I completely forgot about those. I see. See, this is what happens. I'm only thinking about broadcast and uh, the cablers. The cablers. And then David Spade joining them. Oof. I like David Spade, <laughs> but I just don't think it shows who this. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Samantha B is the last woman and these for your consideration videos, uh, prove why she is still alive doing jokes, you know, but truth be told, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Busy show was not terrible. Uh, give it a chance. The, what Samantha B, uh, says in this article is that, uh, none of these shows had a chance. None of the networks had patience, uh, to let these shows grow. In Michelle Wolf's case, I don't think she got more than 10 episodes. Uh, Sarah Silverman only got two 10-episode seasons. Busy got uh, something like 60 or I don't know how many episodes she got. But she got, a, she got a good amount of daily episodes, but still. 
four day a week episodes, Sunday through Thursday, Wednesday, excuse me. And then Robin only got one season. Robin, should, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's really, it truly sucks. Cause then, cause we only have one voice out there. It seems like in late night, we have one voice, uh, Colbert's leading the pack. And then, you know, it's John Oliver after the fact and, and, uh, Fallon, Gordon Kimmel, Myers, you know, we have these the same white guys who get the millions of views, uh, with the exception of Kimmel and Myers. I don't think they get the same views that, uh, John Oliver and Stephen Colbert get, <laughs> but it's, you know, it just blows. That's why we got to differentiate this out there. Listen, uh, the video on this camera is done. So <laughs> I'm going to this episode <laughs> of the constitutional podcast. Hey, if you like what you heard here, head on over to the website, seablescomedy.com where there's some great stuff. You can also follow us on Twitter at C plus comedy on Instagram at C plus comedy me on Twitter at C plus comedy me on Instagram at no wait No, 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 no. Twitter and Instagram for the website. C plus comedy Twitter, and Instagram for me, Chad black, white, like us on Facebook, subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends rate and review us on iTunes, Apple podcast, whatever they call it. You can get this podcast literally anywhere. Any podcast player. I got you, baby. And uh, go watch News Time. If you want to see a video version of the show, head on over to youtube.com slash C plus comedy, where you can also watch News Time, which is the show I talked about for 40 minutes up top. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I very much appreciate it. You're the best. I love you. My nose itches. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>